Welcome to Crossbridge Brickle's weekly podcast. Whether you are listening to us for the first time or revisiting a previously heard message, thank you for listening, and we hope that the time that you spend with us helps connect your life to the way of Jesus. Every week we gather in the south end of downtown Miami in the financial district of Brickle. If you're in Miami or coming to Miami to visit, make sure to join us Sunday nights at 5 o'clock at 1770 Brickle Avenue. Included with the podcast today, we want to provide online notes for you to follow along with the message through the Bible app, as well as our Spotify playlist to listen to our music played during our gathering on the weekends. All of this information is found in the description of this week's podcast. If you have any questions about Crossbridge, Jesus, or faith in general, we would love to hear from you, and the easiest way to connect with us is by emailing us at brickle at crossbridgemiami.com or send us a text to our text-in number at 305 305- Nine three zero seven zero zero six. Once again, thank you for tuning in. And now here's this week's message from Crossbridge Brickle. As we read this together. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, starting in verse 1, it says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light, because the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word of God became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen? Amen. You may be seated, and as you are taking your seat, I'm going to take a moment to pray for our time together in God's Word. Father, we come before you. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for this wonderful beginning to the best time of the year. God, it is an opportunity to be able to be reminded of hope, of joy, of peace, and Father, love. We come before you tonight, and we ask that in the Word that you have given to us tonight, to know that by your love, You are the light of the world, and we are called to be recipients of your light and to be sharers of that light. We come before you, and we ask that everything we do tonight from this place is an opportunity to be lit in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. I know we're only like one day into like true Advent season, but how many of you have like already got the tree up, have got everything going on in your house? Okay, early birds, who did it before Thanksgiving? Who cheated? You're the non-purists? Okay, all right. For real, like how many of you are those people that are like, I am not going to sing one Christmas song until I have put the Thanksgiving turkey in my mouth? Anybody like that in here? Or you were just like November 1st, as soon as Halloween was over, like I was getting down to holly jolly Christmas. Anybody? Okay. So I, 
for example, my taste in music is a little bit different. Um, Carter and I like to joke about kind of like our spectrum. Um, I, I, he sits over here. Um, you may not know this, but he's like a really talented musician slash DJ. He's really, really skillful in a lot of different types of music. Um, so that's him over here and like the knowledgeable, very well-versed type of music. I'm the metal head that just kind of puts my head in earphones and just listens to the loudest thing I can find. So I have this one album I listen to every Christmas that's exactly just the beautiful chaos of Christmas put to metal music. If you need something to Google or to go to YouTube, August Burns Red's Christmas album, probably one of the best Christmas albums you'll hate because it is, it is metal and it is beautiful. It's wonderful. Um, but before we begin, uh, I am going to be drinking a little bit of some aqua and orange because uh, the Dolphins just beat the Eagles. So any, any of my Dolphins fans here right now? No? Okay, that's why you're here, right? All the Dolphins fans are at the game. All right. So I'm a little, I'm a little sour right now because my wife is not here because she was offered an opportunity. Her family is originally from Pennsylvania, particularly Philly. So they came down for the Eagles-Dolphins game. So uh, I'm really excited to rub it in their faces now that the Dolphins actually won one, especially against my family. So um, if you're watching this later online, uh, I love you, Greg and Shannon, but... Hey, we beat you once. So all that to say, thank you for being here. We're grateful that you're here. We like to have fun. We like to keep things light. But especially in light, huh? see what we did? In light of the topic, uh, we want to invite you to walk through a very significant understanding with this theme of the hidden Christmas. For many of you, if you're in this room, you've probably celebrated a Christmas or two. Like, if you're alive, you've probably gone through the annual tradition of going through December. Maybe you've celebrated in different ways. We have people in this room that have maybe celebrated Hanukkah or maybe uh, different holidays around this time of year. But this time of year, in particular, in the United States and all over the world, this is what's known as Advent or Christmas time. And if you're like me, you like to know useless facts and knowledge, um, Christmas its actual origin, it's not just some like really cool word that happens to have Jesus in it because the story of Jesus happens by Jesus going into a manger and that whole thing. The word Christmas is actually a Latin derivative of the historical idea of that when this time of year would come, the church would gather and have a Christ mass or a Christ service to celebrate the time that the God of heaven and earth stepped down into earth and made manifest the Word of God. And we're going to be talking about this as we went through John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, there's this very beautiful word, and it's in its original language, it's the word logos. We're going to walk through this idea, but I want to walk through this idea using the theme of perspective. How many of you watch the same Christmas movies over and over every holiday season, right? Like, what are your go-tos? Elf. It's Santa! It gets me every time when he takes his date on the, the coffee date, and she's like, what is this? It's a crappy cup of coffee. No, it's the world's best cup of coffee. <laughs> gets me every time. What else? Grinch? Uh, cartoon or Jim Carrey? Okay. Scary Carrey or the cartoon one? All right. I, okay. What, I am deaf. I did not hear that because I heard a baby at the same time. It was probably my baby. A year without Santa Claus. Okay, that's got to go on my queue this year. Um, uh, if you don't know this, we actually have an actress in the house that's in a Christmas movie. 
Uh, Debbie, if you don't know, uh, uh, <laughs> you'll have to tell everybody later what movie it was. But uh, so she was actually in a Christmas movie. You should look it up. Uh, anybody else? Go tos. White Christmas. White Christmas. Home Alone. Oh, seriously, cell phones would destroy the premise of that movie today. <laughs> Christmas Story, Die Hard, which is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Iron Man 3, which is a Christmas movie. <laughs> Some of you are like, what? It was filmed in Miami around Christmas. It's a win-win. You got to watch it. Okay, so when we think of Christmas, we always think of like this nostalgic effect. We think of the tradition of Christmas. But the problem with doing something over and over again is sometimes the memories can outcloud the meaning. And as much as there's tradition, there's fun, I love to do certain things. Uh, I, I love this year that I'm actually getting to build traditions with my daughter. Like it was super cool last week when we were doing the whole um, Operation Christmas Child gift box thing. I got to put the boxes together with her and uh, we did this kind of like family moment where we prayed over the boxes. And again, uh, uh, she really doesn't know the English language yet. So we're just going to say that she was praying in tongues, you know. Um, she was just babbling over the, the, the box. But it was super cute because there are these moments that we're cherishing together as a family. But when you think of Christmas, it shouldn't just be moments or material possessions. It actually should be something that's deeper that gives significant meaning. And that's what we want to kind of unpack during this series about the hidden Christmas is that there's a true eternal meaning to this season if you look hard enough, if you look deeper into the hidden meaning of Christmas. And so what we want to do is walk through this series together all the way through the end of the year to know Jesus and his intended purpose. And so what we're going to do is there is this beautiful quote by a man named Tim Keller. He, he says this idea that the good news of Jesus, which is the beginning of this story, the good news of Jesus is his death, burial, and resurrection. But the beginning of that story is at Christmas. And the way it started is when Jesus came from heaven to earth in the most humble of circumstances for you and me. And so Tim Keller says it like this, the good news of Jesus is like a multifaceted jewel. Like if you spin it one direction, you know, like in basic like science classes, you would learn about the idea of a prism. If you would turn the prism a certain angle and the light hits it, it refracts the light at a certain way that it creates a prism or a stream of light in certain directions that it's turned. And so when you look at something very significant from a certain perspective, it changes the way you view it. It changes the way you see the light. And with that same idea, I want to use one phrase tonight, but I want to view it from three different perspectives. Because if we don't stop and enjoy this season, which it's going to be one of the shorter seasons because Thanksgiving was like the last day of November. Like, do you guys remember like Thanksgiving was just the other day and now it's like December? 2019 is almost over. Think about that. Last week, Carter was talking about the idea of when we have these ideas and goals and we want to discipline ourselves, we come up with resolutions, but the year of resolutions over, it's, it's now the season of remembering why we were born, we were created, and what our destiny is. And it starts with the destiny of who came at this time of year. 
And so in the book of John, John writes, he was a writer during the period that Jesus walked the earth. And John was following after Jesus, after Jesus invited him to learn more about him. And by John writing down the historical account of what Jesus did, we get to know not just this mythological idea of Christmas. Like there's this ongoing idea in our culture now that Christmas was just some kind of like fabricated mythology. And let's be real, if you look at Christmas nowadays, like there's this guy named Chris Kringle, he's really fat, huge beard, he creeps down your, your chimney if you have one, most of us probably don't have that in like the high rises of Miami, he creeps into your house, he drops off some presents, as long as you're good, like there's a barter system to this, and then he dips. Like Chris Kringle sounds crazy, but you and I need to kind of remove the mythology of Christmas and get back to its original intended meaning, which is the understanding of the light of the world that came down into the darkness. When God made manifest the beautiful understanding of what the word is. And so we're going to take one phrase tonight. If you're taking notes, I want you to kind of see this phrase from three different perspectives. If you text it in, there's going to be some extra notes that go along with this. So you can kind of see it and understand it a little bit deeper. So we're going to take this one phrase. This one phrase you're going to hear a lot tonight is the light of the world. But first, we're going to look at from three different key words. We're going to first look at this phrase from the key word world, the light of the world. And so what John is trying to do when he's expelling the idea of in the beginning was the word and the word was with God, the word was God. What he's saying is the word or the logos, the truth, the truth of God was and always has been from the beginning. Truth came manifested in the logos, the word, which the revealed word of God is Jesus. And so when Jesus came to earth, he became the manifest word of God. But in order for us to kind of see this this phrase, the light of the world, you and I need to first realize that there's kind of a boundary system first. We exist on a planet called earth, which we affectionately call the world. But what John does in this passage and what other writers in the other three gospels do, when it comes to the story of Jesus in the beginning, the nativity story, What he does is he sets up this idea that the world is multifaceted. When we think of the world, we usually think of the planet, or we think of the geography, or we think of the people. But what we want to do is kind of go a little bit deeper because John and the writers of the Gospels talk about the world in a couple different specific terms. He uses the darkness phrase. He talks about the darkness in this passage to talk about not just like literal darkness. Like if I turned off all the lights, I actually thought about doing this analogy of like turning off all the lights, but this building's kind of creepy as is without the lights we add. So we didn't want to do that to you. Um, We want this place to feel welcoming, not like, well, so um, we want to invite you to see that the word darkness in this passage, is not just talking about literal darkness. It's talking about these two constructs between evil and ignorance. Darkness is a metaphorical idea that there is evil in the world, but there's also ignorance. 
And so you might be thinking, wait, 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 are you trying to tell me I'm ignorant? No, no, no. What John is doing is he's talking about the idea of darkness compared to the idea of the word, the logos. He's saying that in this world, there is evil and there is ignorance about the logos, the word, the truth. And I think it's a dire topic that we talk about, especially in today's culture, because truth has become relative. Truth is this idea of perception rather than reality. For many of us, our experiences dictate what truth is rather than structure and form and boundaries. And there's nothing wrong with having significant experiences, but we all have to kind of wrestle with this idea of truth in today's culture because if everybody lives their truth, then what is truth? How can we truly say that we're living if we believe that living is solely experiential? How can we say that life is what it's supposed to be if it's completely subjective? And so what John is first doing is he's initiating this first idea that in the beginning, there was the Word. The Word who was God. He was with God from the beginning. And the Word which would be revealed as Jesus was the light coming to penetrate the evil of this world and the ignorance of truth. So John is trying to help us to see this idea by going deeper into this evil versus ignorance idea. And then as we continue on, John continues by helping us see this deeper idea by helping us think through the construct of morals versus experiences. If we are looking at life and we see it solely from experiential living, then you and I are going to have different points of view or frames of living depending on our experiences. Let's kind of point out our own perceptions. I am a white man that grew up in Virginia. And for me, Virginia is one of the best states in the entire world. If you've never been there, especially Northern Virginia, DC area, it's beautiful. But for me, that's my personal experience. But God moved me so much that he moved me to Miami. So those are just some very quick experiences that frame my view of life. Some of you probably come from different countries, like Nicaragua, the Dominican Republic, Cuba, different, not just Central American and Island American, but actually all over the world. Great Britain, for many of us, our countries and our initial places birth our perception. But when we have such a subjective culture, what sits in competition to it is the idea of morals or truth, or even just general ideas of boundaries. And so what God is trying to do is he's trying to first use light to help us to think deeper about these constructs. Because if in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, he was with God in the beginning, and that light came into the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it, then the light needs to expel darkness. If for many of us going through college or undergrad, or maybe took a victory lap in college, it doesn't matter, um, the idea of darkness is not just the presence of darkness. The idea of darkness is actually the absence of light. And so if we're looking at darkness, what you're actually looking at is the absence of something that can occupy that space. And so what God is doing through his word, through the writer John, is he's 
helping you and I to understand that there is this principle that light will never be overcome by darkness as long as that light is present. One of the most beautiful things about the city at this time of year is like all the wreaths that are put up, all the Christmas lights. Like the nighttime just feels kind of cozier. Yeah, I know like daylight savings time is over and it gets darker earlier. I don't like that part. But I do like the part that like people put up lights and it just feels more festive and fun because there's not just literally more presence of light, but there's actually more presence of interior light. I don't know if you follow radio or anything. There's this really funny segment that I like to watch on the BBC. Um, There's this uh, BBC uh, radio host, and he does this segment called Unpopular Unpopular Opinions. If you've seen these on YouTube, just Google BBC Unpopular Opinions. It's hilarious. Um, There's this guy. He proposed the idea as an unpopular opinion of actually having Advent or Christmas season from September 1st all the way to December 31st. And how many of you are like, that's an idiotic idea? But his reasoning was, it actually wasn't that dumb of an idea. His reasoning was, is that for some reason, around Christmas time, people actually tend to be a little bit nicer. So what if we just extended the time that people were nice all the way through the end of the year? It's funny how we need like reasons to be nice nowadays, right? (laughs) But he talks about this idea and he goes into this purpose to help us understand that when light is in your life, there's nothing that you can do other than to continually project it. And we see this happen multiple times, not just in culture, not just in people, but it's, it's just a basic principle of physics. For example, like the moon, when we have light at night, it's not because the moon is projecting light, it's because the moon is reflecting light. Light cascades across the universe, hits off the side of the moon, and then the side of the moon that faces us projects the light because it is reflecting the light. Many of you have probably had good experiences, and the best time to have good experiences is at the beginning of your day because there's something that happens. If you have a good morning, it usually inspires you to have a good day. If you've had a terrible morning, good God, whoever's in your way, I pray for them, right? (laughs) But we need to walk through the darkness by recognizing what the truth is about light. So John compares these ideas of evil and and ignorance. He walks through this idea of morals and experiences. And then he walks through this idea by helping you understand this idea of what we are supposed to call the truth. And so the other way I want you to see this phrase, the light of the world, not just focusing on the word world, but let's focus on the word the. The, again, this is probably one of those words, if you say it enough times, it'll have no meaning, like the, 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 the. But if you look at that idea, in the original Greek and Hebrew, there's never like a word the, it's actually like a modifier from its language, like ha, so halagos, like, okay, sorry, my Greek nerdisms came out. Um, But it's this idea of the definitive case. There's this idea that there's a definitive purpose to this information, the light of the world. Many of us have different sources of light in our homes. How many of you pick up your phone whenever you can't find something in your house and you turn on the flashlight app? Yeah, if you drop something behind the TV, drop something under the bed, man, cell phones, they've they've essentially wiped out the lighter industry, especially at concerts. But for us, 
the light is something we use in order to search for something that we desire. But the light, we're not just talking about some arbitrary source of light like these different you know, bulbs around us. We're talking about the source. My father was a power line electrician for 40 years and he would constantly try to teach me to his frustration about all things electricity because I was an arrogant kid and I'd be like, Dad, I don't need to know that stuff. That's not going to be me. Um, but he would, he would explain to me how electricity was created. He would explain how you conduct electricity and how you regulate it and how the power lines have the generators, which have the capacitors inside the generators. And, and if you're from the country, the only time you really see generators is when a squirrel would hit it and it would blow up. Um, <laughs> morbid. Um, <laughs> But that idea of light, the source of light, for many of us, we don't think deep about where the source of our light comes from. What John is doing is he's trying to help you and I understand that when we think about the history of the universe, not just some mythology, the historical trustworthy understanding of science and truth, that there is a source, there is an origin to light. There's an origin to truth. And the light of the world will guide you into all truth. The more that our world continues to be combined and synergized through all different communication streams, there is nothing more important than you and I can do than to know what truth is. We've seen it in the past several election cycles. I'm not going to get political, but I'm just going to get contemporary. Facts are very hard to come by nowadays, and we have to be willing to be patient to know truth. We have to be patient to know what the truth is, because sometimes what can happen is, especially this time of year, if you give an invitation to someone or a gift, if you don't do it correctly, it goes from being a gesture of goodwill to a genuine insult. How many of you have ever given a bad gift and it backfired on you? There was one year that I remember doing this. I remember giving my sister a book that I really liked. It was called The Purpose Driven Life. And I gave it to her because it was really inspirational for like the beginning of my faith journey. So I gave it to her because I was like, hey, I really like this book, you know, Merry Christmas. And so if she's watching this, um, she took it as, oh, you don't think I have purpose in my life. I was like, that was not where I was going with that one. For me, it was a very, and again, like sometimes you need to take gifts and you need to look at opportunities to connect with people as ways to shine the light into their life. My sister didn't need the light shined in her life. It was just something that I was giving to her. But you know how that feeling is. If you give something to somebody at the wrong time, sometimes it can feel like a wrong thing. In today's culture, love, compassion, and truth, there needs to be a perfect blend of it all. If there's somebody that you disagree with, you don't bash them. We need less of that. We need people that are willing to gracefully walk up to someone and say, hey, I don't understand that point of view. Would you be willing to explain it to me? And could we have a dialogue about this? Could I actually talk to you about your point of view? And could I share mine? And could we respectfully hear one another? Because I think if you and I practice this principle of love, compassion, and truth, we will continually guide ourselves back to what truth is. 
And if you're here tonight and you come from a different faith walk, maybe you practice Hinduism or maybe Islam was your introduction to faith or religion, here's my preface. If I believe in a God of all truth and I believe in a God of all loving, compassionate, kind, caring, generosity, I think you and I should be able to have a discussion and both of us become friends at the end of it no matter what. Because love and kindness and compassion should be the general idea, not just of this season, but of our disposition. And it comes from knowing that light, the light. And John is trying to help you and I understand who that light is. In John 1, the first 16 verses, he tees it up. And he tees it up by using another man named John. In church history, he's known as John the Baptizer. What he did is he told people that there was a man coming who was going to be that light. And that light, you and I now get to believe in and understand in the fullness of time because we see the light of the world. We've gone from this idea of what the world is. It's in his writings, he's talking about evil and ignorance. In our context, we're talking about people and systems and policies. But you and I, when we walk through this passage, the ultimate end of what God is trying to do through John is he's trying to just point you to the light. He's trying to point you to the true light. And that's the last word I want to focus on. The light of the world is not just some song or some verse in a a chorus or a carol that some of us will sing around this time. It's actually a metaphor for an eternal reality. What Jesus is doing, not just by coming to this earth in the form of eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus, all my Ricky Bobby fans out there, but what God is trying to do is he's, he's trying to come close to you. When we look at the world, there's this significant thing that happens with many of us when we get away from the city lights. Don't get me wrong. I love the city. I was having a conversation the other day about I went to Napa wine country for the first time. Um, it was cool, but it wasn't like my, my jam. Like some of you are like, oh, you talk smack about Sonoma and Napa? <laughs> Sorry, it's not my jam. I don't get down with it. Um, but what I would do is I would hang out in San Francisco maybe do a day trip to Napa or Sonoma and then come back and like hit the nightlife at, in San Francisco. That's who I am. I love the city. That's why God brought me to the city. But I think there's something unique and beautiful that God does when he moves us away from the lights that man has made to see the lights that nature is, the stars in the sky, the way that when you wake up, especially if you've ever gone to the mountains and you wake up and the sunlight just hits the peaks of the valleys at the right angle, there's just something, there's something peculiar about that. And it might awaken something a little bit deeper because there's something innate about the idea of light that's deeper than just halogen bulbs. That's deeper than just fluorescent, God-forsaken office lighting. You and I, God is trying to invite us into a deeper relationship by shining a light, by starting in one of the most humble circumstances. What God did was he took a very ordinary situation and he turned it into an extraordinary moment. In the 
Old Testament, if you've ever read the Bible before, it's broken up into two halves, old school, new school, or Old Testament, New Testament. In the Old Testament, there's so many promises that there was going to be a coming Savior that was going to be born in a city or a town in humble circumstances at the right fulfillment of time. And so what John does is he helps in this light help us see that the light, the true light, is not just what you can point at. It's not just a flashlight that when you're searching for something in a quick fix, you just pull it out, shine it, and put it away. What God is trying to do is God is trying to demonstrate to you that he loved every single person in his creation, the people that were made in his image, that even when the darkness, the evil and ignorance that was surrounding the world, he was willing to go from the spoken word, which we read in Genesis, it talks about this idea that God spoke existence into, world, into, into the world by his word. So God used the spoken word to point to the revealed word, Jesus, so that you and I now have the benefit of the written word, to know who the word is. In the beginning was the word, from the spoken to the revealed to the written. We know that the true word is not just a book, it's a person. It's Jesus. And by Jesus coming down and being not just a baby, he came to this earth to live amongst us to have significant personal experiences so that the God of heaven and earth wasn't just some idea in the sky. He was actually God made flesh. God made real. And that's what I like about Christmas is that Christmas makes things more real. Don't get caught up in the hype. I know it's really hard. I was reading a statistic just today that there are people that are still in credit card debt from 2018 from Christmas gifts they bought back in 2018. Don't go crazy because then we'll be having this conversation in 2020. But there's nothing wrong with generosity and showing love and compassion to people. But don't get caught up in the glitz and glamour of the false lights. Look at the true light the light of the world that came down into darkness amongst all of the evil, amongst all of the prejudice and bigotry and lies and power assumptions of kingdoms trying to fight one another and kings that literally thought that this baby was going to be so powerful that they actually created laws to try to kill this baby. Like, amongst all of that evil, Jesus grew in the light that was within him as the divine revealed word of God. He came for you and me. Don't forget that's what Christmas is all about. We're going to unpack this idea week by week with different perspectives. The idea we're going to look at from the gospel, the good news of Jesus. But before we even begin this Advent series, before we even begin this Advent season with this first night, Christmas is not about the gifts. Christmas is not about the rush to all the holiday parties and the packed calendar you're about to just run through for the next 25 days. It's about the light of God 
being given through Jesus Christ and his light being lived amongst us so that you can be a recipient and a reflector of that light. And so if you're here tonight and I can't do anything else other than recognize that if you want to know what Christmas is all about, this is what it is. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was formless, but God hovered over the waters and he created the earth. And then not only that, he knew that once he created that earth, that he was going to have to not just create it, he was going to have to redeem it. And he redeemed it by his own work, his own son. And so the light of the world that came down into the darkness, Jesus, the son of God, by his work, by living amongst us and going not just to the cross, but living those day-to-day experiences. The moments of frustration he felt when he saw his father's work being trampled on in the house of God. The moments when he invested in people and those people turned their back on him. The moments when he taught truth, but he was made to be a liar. And the moment that he knew that the fulfillment of his work was to go from the wooden nativity barn box to the wooden cross. You can't have Christmas without the cross. What Jesus did at Christmas is just pointing to the work of Easter. So if you're here tonight, I want to invite you to know that God loves you and he loved you so much that yet while you and I were still in darkness, he sent his son to die for us. And then the word of God teaches that if you know that God loved you so much that his son died for you to take away all sins and unrighteousness or, or the basic idea to remove the darkness from your soul, if he did that for you, all you need to do is say, in the words of the book of Acts, the writer says, all you need to do is believe. Just believe. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to dress up a really nice Christmas gift and try to earn favor with God. That's not how it works. This is the time of year where Jesus comes to give you a gift. And his gift can never be paid for. All you have to do is receive it. And so I want to invite you, if you're here tonight, if you want to receive that gift, I want to invite you to come talk to me to talk to Pastor Carter, to talk to our deacons. If you want to receive that gift tonight, maybe, maybe in this next moment, I'm going to take a moment to pray for us. If you want to pray to God to receive that gift, I would love to celebrate what the true meaning of Christmas is, receiving the gift of righteousness in Jesus Christ. With that said, let's take a moment and let's pray together. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for this time. Thank you for being the light of the world. I come before you tonight, Father, and I ask that if there's anybody here tonight that does not have the light of Christ in them, that, Father, they take a moment to talk to you and to to speak to you and to say, Father, I want that light. Jesus, I believe you are the light. For those that are in, in this room, I pray and I ask that you give those that don't have that light to receive it tonight. And Father, for everybody here, um, when we walk out of here, let this not just be another sermon. Let this not just be another time to just celebrate Christmas. No, let us, let us remember what Advent is. It's preparation. 
It's preparation to know and remember and to see the hidden Christmas, the Christ of the Christ Mass, this day that we celebrate what Jesus did by coming to our world and being the light amongst us. We love you, Father, and we pray, and we ask that everything that we do tonight be done in the name of Jesus. Amen.